Your Total Wine & More store is ready to serve you with our always low prices on an incredible 8,000 wines and 2,500 beers. Want it today? Try our same-day delivery or contactless curbside pickup at TotalWine.com. Whether you're grabbing your favorite beer or pouring a glass to enjoy an evening on the deck, Total Wine & More has you covered. Visit any of our 12 stores in Northern Virginia. Your Total Wine & More store is ready to serve you with our always low prices on an incredible 8,000 wines and 2,500 beers. Want it today? Try our same-day delivery or contactless curbside pickup at TotalWine.com. Whether you're grabbing your favorite beer or pouring a glass to enjoy an evening on the deck, Total Wine & More has you covered. Visit any of our 12 stores in Northern Virginia. Welcome to the Indie Film Hustle Podcast, episode number 353. If you want success, you need to work like you're broke. Tyler Perry. Broadcasting from the back alley in Hollywood, it's the Indie Film Hustle Podcast, where we show you how to survive and thrive as an indie filmmaker in the jungles of the film biz. And here's your host, Alex Ferrari. Welcome, my Indie Film Hustlers, to another episode of the Indie Film Hustle Podcast. I am your humble host, Alex Ferrari. Today's show is sponsored by FilmTools.com. Since 1996, Film Tools has been Hollywood's one-stop shop for all things production. No matter what your filmmaking needs, Film Tools has you covered when you need gear for your next shoot. Anytime I need anything really quickly, I go to Film Tools. They always have every single kind of production nugget and thing that I might need, no matter how small or big it is, they definitely have it. And this week, Film Tools is offering the Indie Film Hustle Tribe 5% off all purchases at FilmTools.com. Just use the coupon code IFHPOD. That's I-F-H-P-O-D at the checkout at filmtools.com. Today's show is also sponsored by the Make Your Movie Boot Camp. You want to make a feature film, but you have no idea where to get started. I feel you because that's exactly where I was years ago when I first got started. But I finally decided to stop talking about making a movie and go out and just do it. I want to help filmmakers break through their own fears and show them the secret sauce on how to make a profitable feature film. So I decided to put together the Make Your Movie Boot Camp and condense all 25 years of my experience into a two-day intensive. And in the camp, I cover how to flesh out your idea, the screenwriting process, finding money, crowdfunding, directing your film, post-production workflows, marketing, submitting to film festivals, film deliverables, self-distribution secrets, and how not to get ripped off by predatory film distributors. Think of this as a jumpstart to your filmmaking career and a replacement from a very expensive film school. This boot camp will be held in Burbank, California on October 26th and 27th at the Hilton Garden Inn in downtown Burbank. If you want to get 20% off the boot camp, just head over to mymbootcamp.com. That's Make Your Movie or mymbootcamp.com. Now, guys, today on the show, we have author and growth hacker Brendan Kane whose new book, One Million Followers, How I Built a Massive Social Media Following in 30 Days, is taking the world by storm, especially the social media world and marketing world. He was able to generate one million followers on Facebook and Instagram within 30 days. So we go deep into how the heck he did this, his strategies, and how you can use these strategies to help sell your movie and how to build a following 
for your film. So without any further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Brendan Kane. I'd like to welcome to the show Brendan Kane. Thank you so much for being on the show, my friend. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I am a big fan of your book, The One Million Followers. It's uh, it, it it's awesome, and I'm so glad Thanks. someone wrote it. <laughs> now, first off, how did you gain one million followers in 30 days? So, first off, it wasn't like I just woke up one day and I'm like I'm I'm like without any experience or or testing and just I'm just going to do this. I <laughs> I had spent first off, I've been in the digital space for about 15 years, and. I had, in, in terms of how I generated a million followers specifically, I had spent about three years building a set of my own like testing methodologies on top of Facebook and Instagram that would allow me to test content at scale mm-hmm. and really learn what content formats, themes, and stories work so that you can generate growth in any area, whether that's lead generation, traffic, and in this case, followers. And the basic system that I used uh, was to to test as many variations of content in real time to really understand what it would take to get somebody to perform a specific action, in this case, following an account. Mm-hmm. So I had tested over 5,000 variations of content in that 30-day time period. Now, that sounds like a huge, daunting task, and they're like, this guy's insane. He probably didn't sleep. He, right. he hopped on caffeine. But it really, I spent maybe an hour and a half a day on it. It's not as daunting of a task as it seems when you understand kind of the system and the, the methodology. And the way that I did it for Facebook is different than I did it for Instagram. So with Facebook specifically, I'll just start with that because that was the 30-day the time period. So what I did is I leveraged the the Facebook advertising platform, which extends to Instagram, WhatsApp, and Messenger, as not an advertising tool or a media buying tool, which people normally use it for, which is, it's remarkable at that, but I use it as a market research tool to be able to see content of different people from different backgrounds from different parts of the world and see the response rate of what would happen. And that would fuel my content strategy, both in the short and the long term. So when I talk about 5,000 variations, it wasn't 5,000 pieces of content. Like there's to an, uh, to a variation, there's five elements. So you have the creative itself, the headline, the demographics, right. uh, the, the interest level, what like what they're interested in products or services, uh, and then the geolocation. So if you take one piece of content and swap out a headline, that's one variation. Or you can swap out the demographics and interest, the geolocation. All of them are interchangeable. So that's where you can take one piece of content and essentially test it 100 to 200 different ways. And what it does is it gives you more chances to win and more chances to learn. So every night at midnight, I would schedule tests between 30 to 300 variations of content. When I would wake up in the morning, I would measure the results, see what had worked and what had not worked. And the things that were working, I would feel more of that. The things that weren't working, I would figure out what behind it wasn't working and take those learnings to apply it to the next test and the next test. So that's how I did it for Facebook over that 30-day period. Mm-hmm. And then Instagram, I had to develop a, a different system for that. Uh, because the advertising platform doesn't really allow that much for follower growth. The way that we found for for rapid follower growth is you distribute content on other channels and drive traffic back versus Facebook. You can push content out and generate exponential growth that way. So with Instagram, we still use this kind of rapid iteration process, but the way that we do is we have a partner account with 3 million followers and we see content out to that channel 
test and measure the effectiveness of that piece of content to convert back to followers to an account. And then once we've found a winning variation, then we have a, we have about 18 different accounts that have large followings that we can syndicate that content out to, to, to scale and drive that traffic back. Okay. So it's kind of like creating a, a network of your, within yourself that you're able to syndicate throughout your own, your own world, your own ecosystem, if you will. Absolutely. And, but at the end of the day, it comes down to content. It's mm-hmm. for example, we have a partner that has 17 million followers on Instagram. And if you post a piece of content that's, that hasn't been tested, that's not really optimized, even though you're posting an account with 17 million followers, it could only generate like two or 300 followers versus if you have an optimized piece of uh, content that have, has been designed with this in mind, that has been tested and validated, it could generate anywhere from like five to 10 to 15,000 followers off that single post. So it's really, people get caught up in this idea of, oh, if I just get in front of a bunch of people, I'm going to be successful. It's mm-hmm. not the case. Like, right. like, you know, in the film industry is these films spend tens of millions of dollars getting a trailer out there. But that doesn't guarantee that people are going to go see the movie because if the trailer is not good, it doesn't matter. The same principles apply here in generating followers or having success in any aspect of digital is like you have to optimize that content to a, to a point that's going to motivate and inspire people to click that follow button. Now, what advice would you have for filmmakers or independent filmmakers trying to generate some sort of attention or for them to actually have them click or rent or watch something on Facebook or Instagram? Like what, what advice would you have for, for filmmakers just starting out? There's a few things that I, w- I would look at. I mean, first off, this is common knowledge because every major movie studio does this. But the the first three to five seconds of a video is critically important, especially when you're talking about Facebook or Instagram, where 70 percent of the, the videos watched with the sound up as you're swiping up the feeds. And that's why the studios, I think it's been like five or six years now, put a three to five second trailer before right. the trailer plays. So really understanding that import, the critical importance of that first three to five seconds of your video to get people in to watch uh, for a longer period of time. I think secondarily is really knowing your audience is, is who is that core audience that you're going after? What is it that is going to capture their attention? What, what's some historical data? Really look at trailers of movies that have worked in the past and also look at trailers of movies that haven't worked in the past. And really decide or really determine what you can take away because I think some filmmakers they just look at it from from the actual movie of what worked. And more importantly, is actually look at the trailer of what worked because the tra- the trailer is really what's driving success mm-hmm. of a film. Now, yes, there are films that are just so good that start on a limited release and that word of mouth will carry them, but those films are so far and few between. Mm-hmm. A majority of the time, it's the trailer that's selling the movie. So really understand and study the trailers of films that have worked or have not worked. And what are the key elements that they used in those trailers to attract that attention? Secondarily, it's testing, like test different trailers. I mean, the studios do this all the time, but you should do this yourself is test different three second intros, test different clips, different ways of telling that story. I think it's hard, and and I recognize it's hard for independent filmmakers uh, to create variations of trailers, but you're really limiting yourself if you're only putting one trailer or one teaser out in the world and expecting that just to perform. 
So I, I think that that's a good place to to really start from a content perspective. And when you're saying testing, please explain to the audience that testing is something that could be done extremely affordably. I mean, for a few bucks, you know, five, 10, 15, 20 bucks, you can do a real quick test to see if something's going to play or not, correct? Absolutely. I mean, first off with the Facebook and Instagram advertising platform, which I think is one of the best testing tools at our fingertips, there's no minimum. Like you can spend $5, $10, $20 and learn something from it. Or if you don't want to take it that far, you can test it organically as get the, that trailer placed on a blog or a website or even on your own social channel and measure the response between that. It's not as effective, but at least you're learning something. But yes, to test, like you don't have to spend tens of thousands of dollars to do it. You can spend 10, 20, 30, 40, $50 and, and learn something from it. Now, targeting, how, how can you, can you give any advice in regards to targeting for, especially, especially for, for filmmakers? Cause I find that they sometimes will like, let's say they do a romantic comedy and then they try to target people who like romantic comedies. It's just not going to work. They don't have the, the finances to, to, tr you know, to hit that giant demographic. Would you suggest niching down as much as possible? What advice would you have for targeting demographically so, and also locations? So typically the way that I approach testing is you test as many interest levels and demographics against each other. So within, so within the Facebook advertising platform, there's, there's three core aspects to it or three levels. So you have the campaign, which is where kind of you set the objective is like, am I trying to generate video views? Am I trying to generate conversions? Uh, am I trying to generate traffic? Whatever that is. Then the second is the ad set and the ad set level is where you actually control the targeting. That's where you can control the audience, uh, the demographics, are they male, are they female, female, are they age? What other movies do they like? Do they like romantic comedies? Do they like adventure movies? Do they like Tony Stark? Do they like uh, the Hulk? Whatever it is, like you can put it in there and most of the time they'll have it. And, and also within that, you can do geolocation. You could do it all the way down to the specific zip code. Now for filmmakers, I typically don't recommend that because your costs are extremely high in the, in the auction. Uh, and then the third is the ad level is like the actual creative itself. So the ad set level is where you get really creative with all of this. And what I typically do is I create different ad sets that break out the interest levels. So for example, uh, you'll create an ad set with just romantic comedy fans and you they'll create another one with adventure fans, another one with Tony Stark fans, which is whatever you can. And it's really important to segment those out into separate tests because what most people will do is they'll put all those interests Mm -hmm. into one ad set and then you don't learn anything because Facebook doesn't provide you data on who viewed it from which interest level. It does provide it from a, a gender and a age group. So what we'll typically do is we'll start just broad and say 18 to 65 plus both male and female and then we'll see where Facebook pushes it because you can break down whether it was pushed to more males or females or whether it was pushed to a specific age group. And I like to do that because for two reasons. A, it brings down your cost in the auction so you can reach more people for a cheaper cost. And then also I like it because uh, what it does is it allows Facebook's auction and algorithms to push it to who they think is going to resonate with because that's its job mm -hmm. is they want to push content to the people they think are going to respond to it. And it gives you some data on who's actually responding to it, who it's getting seeded to. And then from that, then you can create subsequent ad sets or tests based upon that data that's coming in. 
Now, Facebook has basically become a pay-or-play kind of platform where before, if you had a million followers, you put a post up on your on your page, and it would reach a, a significant amount or even a, a, even a small amount. Now, you know, I have a hundred and twenty some thousand followers, and I post something, and three hundred people will see it. 400 people, see, unless it goes viral, unless I push it or unless I do other things to get attention to it. Do you have any advice on getting attention or using the, the, the platform without having to boost or without having to pay? Absolutely. So let's just talk about the algorithms because the algorithms control how many people see your content. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the algorithms get a bad rap. Uh, people are, get upset and frustrated with them. And I understand I get frustrated by it as well. But if you really look at the fundamental principles of why they're there, it'll give you a better understanding of, A, how to take advantage of it and how to problem solve if you're not getting the reach that you need. So the algorithms are designed so that every time you open up the app, whether it's Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, whatever app you're using, YouTube, it's designed that every time you open that up, that app up, you're going to be served with content that you, they feel is going to be the most engaging for you because they know if you open up Facebook or Instagram and that piece of content that you're first seated with or the first three pieces of content is not engaging, you're going to get bored and you're going to leave. Mm-hmm. And if that keeps happening over and over again, you're going to result to using that app less and less until eventually you won't use it any further. So the algorithms are always designed with and this is individually for each person, like what is the content that's going to resonate with this person the most to get them to stay on the app longer? And today we're following hundreds, in some cases, thousands of pages, more so on Facebook than Instagram. I think you're following you know, thousands of pages over the, the years of engaging with the platform. Instagram, maybe it's a few hundred. And you've got to take into consideration when they're when you're opening that app, it's got to decide what are going to be the top three or five posts that it's going to, to push to you out of hundreds or possibly thousands of posts. So if you're pushing out content, so let's just say you have 100,000 followers and mm-hmm. it, you push out a piece of content. What Facebook's going to ultimately do is it's going to seed it to 500 of those 100,000 followers and measure the response rate. And if that response rate is not good, that content's not going any further. If that response rate is good, it'll seed it to another thousand, measure the response rate and see if it holds. And if it holds, it'll extend it to, to, to more people and more people. And that's where that organic reach comes from. That's where that virality comes from. But if you keep putting out content that when it seeds it to those initial people, it doesn't generate the response that it's looking for. And you do that over and over again, your page is automatically going to be labeled in the, in the algorithms as something that doesn't push out engaging content versus on the flip side, if your account gets known for pushing out content that's highly engaging, it has far more flexibility in the algorithms and the amount of reach that it gives you. So that's why you'll see content creators like Prince EA who wrote the forward of my book or like a Jay Shetty who are generating tens of millions, in some cases, hundreds of millions of views on their content. A, their content is good, but B, also they built up so much trust in the algorithms that they're getting so much reach out of their content. So that's first and foremost, just understanding that concept. And then if you're not getting the reach, then it's starting to determine, okay, what am I doing wrong with my content? What aspects of my content is not engaging when it first seeds it to that first three 
300 to 500 people. And this is what we do a lot with my content and the content that we work with people on is we'll measure things, for example, with video. What we'll measure is the, the most important metric is the number of views to the reach that we get. And what does that ratio look like? And a view is counted at three seconds. And that metric is so important to to Facebook because it determines whether or not people are actually engaging. Because if people are swiping up and they don't watch the first three seconds, they're gonna stop seeding that content to people. But if you can generate that a high ratio, and typically we look at anywhere between 30 to 40%, anything above 40% is amazing, but 30 to 40% is our, our sweet spot that we're aiming for. If we can get in that 30 to 40% range, we just see the reach exponentially grow because Facebook's algorithms see that uh, the content is resonating with people. People are actually taking the time. Now, unfortunately, Instagram doesn't give us that metric, but we can generally tell by the reach, by the number of views that we're generating off a piece of content. Mm -hmm. But that's kind of how we look at it, and we just really design our content to feed into the algorithms first and foremost, because without that, you're just not going to get the reach that you need. So it's not throwing everything up against the wall on a Facebook page. You really, really got to be a little bit more strategic with it, is what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely testing that goes into vault uh, that's involved in it. I mean, one of the first places, and we already kind of talked about it, the first place that I start is competitive analysis, mm -hmm. is who's doing well on these platforms. What are they doing right? What are they doing wrong? So we'll always do a competitive analysis of accounts. We'll, we'll make a list of like five or ten accounts that we'll track. And we'll just see what they're doing differently than everybody else that's leading them to have success. And then we reverse engineer that, and then we see how do we apply that to our content. So that's what, because Jay Shetty is such a unique um, example or taste, a taste um, case study because he's basically, he owns Facebook Watch. I mean, he's got billions and billions of views. Uh, and he basically did in a very short amount of time. I mean, yeah. he, within a couple, two, three years, of putting these videos out. So he's not paying for that kind of exposure. This is just now he's gotten to a point where it's organic, 100, almost 100%. Yeah, I mean, for him, it's been organic since the very beginning. Prince EA is another great example, Goldcast. Uh, and yeah. then you see like what BuzzFeed did with Tasty and, and some other platforms. Yes, there's been a bit of a dip in, in the algorithms being changed, but there is so much potential from an organic perspective and it goes for Instagram and YouTube as well. Mm -hmm. It's just people where I see people go wrong is they're typically designing content for themselves, not for the algorithms and not for other people. They're mm -hmm. just designing it for themselves and they get so caught up in what they want to say and what they want to show people. And first off, they don't think about the, the audience, but more importantly, they don't even think about the algorithms. All they just throw their hands up and be like, the algorithms are unfair Oh, Facebook just wants me to get people to pay for reach. And that's not the case. Like, yes, Facebook and Instagram make their money off of advertising, but that's not the reason that they're limiting reach. Mm -hmm. They're limiting reach because there's only so much content that they can push into your feed and they have right. to be very selective with it. Now, we've talked a lot about Facebook and Instagram. Is Twitter and, I mean, YouTube, how would you approach those two? Because they're such different beasts than Facebook and Absolutely. Instagram. So. Twitter, I don't really touch that much. YouTube, I think, is is still a tremendous opportunity. And and YouTube, there's a, a few different variables that come into play. Thumbnail and headline are a huge critical part of success because a lot of video views are, are coming from like suggested videos that you'll see on the, like the right-hand side. 
And what they'll typically do is they'll measure the first and foremost, the click through percentage of if like, let's just say there's five videos on the right hand side as you're watching a video. Uh, what is that click through percentage of somebody clicking on that video? And then they'll also match it with the watch time. Like how long are they watching that video? And if those two metrics play together well, then it'll just give you more and more reach because that's just showing you that or showing the algorithms that this content is retaining users. It's interesting to people and it's keeping people on the platform longer. So we typically focus heavily on thumbnails and headlines as that first component, but then also the content has to hold attention because all of these platforms, they make more money the longer you're on the platform. And YouTube is a long form consumption behavior platform. So it's always looking for those videos that are going to retain people for the longest period of time. And that's where you see Facebook and Instagram, like Facebook creating Facebook watch and, and Instagram generating or creating IGTV. They're trying to change their consumption behavior because their cons consumption behavior today is very short form content. Um, but they're trying to compete against YouTube, which is a very daunting and difficult task, uh, which I think they're going to have trouble making that shift in, in consumer behavior on their platforms. But the whole idea of all of these platforms is they want to see the best content to the, to the top that are going to retain the users for the longest period of time. And then so with, with Facebook Watch, you know, they're trying to go after YouTube and but but I, I I agree with you 100%. People are so used to Facebook being what Facebook is, and now they're trying to change things. And the other thing that annoys the heck out of me is that they throw the commercials in the middle of the video, as opposed to YouTube that puts it generally at the beginning or at the end. So you know, what what do you how do you feel that's going to play in you know moving forward? Do you think it's going to be successful? In your opinion. I don't think that the current iterations are going to be successful, but the one thing that I admire about Facebook and Instagram is they are not afraid to fail and they are not afraid to test things. So, I mean, you just look at what they did in, in taking out Snapchat with, with oh, IG stories. Yeah. It, they just tested several iterations before that of things that just didn't work, mm -hmm. but they figured it out and it was a game changer for them. I firmly believe they are smart enough that they will figure something out. I don't know that it's going to be the current iteration of Facebook Watch and IGTV, but I don't I, I don't doubt them for a second because they have the smartest people on the planet working for those companies, and I think that they will figure out a solution for long-form consumption. My bet would probably be that it would be a separate standalone app instead of within Facebook or Instagram, but we'll see what they what they come through with. And what social media platform do you see the most growth potential in moving forward? It's a great question. I still firmly believe in the big three. It's it's Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. I think there's a tremendous amount of potential for LinkedIn, not so much for, for filmmakers. I mean, there's some strategic things for filmmakers, but, mm -hmm. but less so. I think Facebook, there's still a huge opportunity there when you look at the global scale of it. I mean, there's 2.2 billion people on the platform. People just focus on the U S numbers, but especially on the film side where we know 60 to 70% of box offices is generated nationally. Uh, there's a tremendous amount of growth potential with that platform. If you're trying to drive traffic out to a third party destination, it's very good for that. And also the viral coefficient of pushing content through that platform is much higher than any others. That's where you can generate videos that that or create videos that generate 100 million views. You can't really do that on Instagram. I don't even know if there has been a video that has generated 100 million views on Instagram. Maybe there is, but it would probably be less than five. 
YouTube, you can get some videos mainly on the music side that generate hundreds of millions of views, but it's not as easy for the the average creator to do it. Like a Jay Shetty going to YouTube is not going to generate that exponential growth that he did on Facebook. So that's a huge growth potential. Instagram, I see as a platform that is probably the, the most attractive from a brand perspective. Most people value Instagram over the other two platforms at this point. Uh, it's a little bit slower growth, but the engagement rate tip generally typically is higher with stories and native posts, but that's going to change as more people get on the platform. And as we talked about what happens with the algorithms, if there's more content on the platform, it needs to determine which content to see to the top. And YouTube, I think, is still there's tremendous value and growth potential in that platform just by the sheer size and just the fact that it is one of the only platforms on on digital that is long-form consumption behavior, where you can get somebody to literally watch a video for 30 minutes or an hour. And I think that there's there's a lot of competition there, but I think if you really study it and you get good at it, uh, there's tremendous value because you're fostering a, a deeper relationship with your audience and your fan base than you can with an Instagram or a Facebook. Now, would you recommend boosting a post on Facebook or actually taking an ad out for that thing? I always do things through ads manager because you can have more control. You can segment tests and all those things that we talked about earlier. I will say that we're very strict about what we'll put money behind because if you're putting money behind a piece of content that's not going to perform or is not performing well, you're basically teaching the algorithms that your content's not good versus the reverse side is if your content is really good and it just needs that extra push you're teaching the algorithms that the content that your page is putting out is good. So you've just got to make sure that if you are going to spend money, even if you're spending $10, that the content is worth spending $10 behind because it are, are putting behind because that is going to reflect on how the algorithms see the content in your page. And last question, what is the biggest mistake you see people make when they're trying to grow their social media accounts or build an audience in general? Everything comes down to content and the mistake I, I mentioned, one of the mistakes I think is a huge mistake is people are designing content for themselves. They're not designing it for the algorithms and they're not designing it for their audience. So that's one thing. And then I, I think also is people don't really look at any analytics or data. They just keep pushing the same content out and they're not testing. They're not iterating and they just keep pushing content out and then they expect different results. They expect the algorithms to start picking it up or for them to go viral but if you don't take that time to test and iterate and also do a competitive analysis and, and study other people's content, you're never going to get better. And so we spend so much time looking at other people's content of how they're doing what they're doing, where their success is to really understand how we can get better as content creators. And I'm not saying steal people's content, but steal their formats, steal their, steal their structures. Like if you see like on a lot of videos, they have a meme card built, uh, burned into the top and, and captions at the bottom. Everybody uses that now, and they use it because 70% of that, that video on Facebook and Instagram is typically watched with the sound off as, as they're swiping up. And somebody came up with that concept, I don't even know how long ago, five or six years ago, and everybody's doing it now. And now you have to iterate off of that to, to get it to perform. But those are the type of things to pay attention to is what are the formats, what are the structures that are working for people, and pay attention to as much detail as possible. Pay attention to those first three seconds. Pay attention to colors, tones, all of those different things. 
Brandon, man, thank you so much for coming by. I know you're a very, very busy man. You're, you're, you're creating social media uh, empires everywhere. So I do appreciate you coming by and uh, talking to the tribe today. So thanks, man. Great. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I want to thank Brendan so much for coming on the show and dropping those knowledge bombs on the tribe today. If you want to link to Brendan's book, how to get a hold of him, or any of his other amazing products, please head over to the show notes at IndieFilmHustle.com forward slash 353 for the show notes. And if you haven't already, please head over to FilmmakingPodcast.com, subscribe, and leave a good review for the show. It really helps us out a lot. And please share this episode or the podcast or the website with five of your filmmaking friends. I want this information to get out to as many filmmakers as possible. We want to build this tribe and make it bigger and bigger every single day. I want to help as many filmmakers as humanly possible. So thank you for helping me with this, guys. And thank you for all your support. As always, keep that hustle going. Keep that dream alive. And I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Indie Film Hustle podcast at IndieFilmHustle.com. That's I-N-D-I-E-F-I-L-M-H-U-S-T-L-E.com. Your Total Wine & More store is ready to serve you with our always low prices on an incredible 8,000 wines and 2,500 beers. Want it today? Try our same-day delivery or contactless curbside pickup at TotalWine.com. Whether you're grabbing your favorite beer or pouring a glass to enjoy an evening on the deck, Total Wine & More has you covered. Visit any of our 12 stores in Northern Virginia. Your Total Wine & More store is ready to serve you with our always low prices on an incredible 8,000 wines and 2,500 beers. Want it today? Try our same-day delivery or contactless curbside pickup at TotalWine.com. Whether you're grabbing your favorite beer or pouring a glass to enjoy an evening on the deck, Total Wine & More has you covered. Visit any of our 12 stores in Northern Virginia.